All right. Well, welcome everyone to Black Hawk Church. Welcome to everyone at all of our sites, all of our venues. Those of you who are at home right now, still worshiping from home. Those of you all who are live in the room right now, so good to just to have the chance to be able to all be together. We are one church in a lot of different locations, and it's great to be have time to be able to have time like this set aside where we can worship together. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Black Hawk Church, and uh, I, I, I want to take you on just a little bit of a journey, just a little bit back in time. For some of you, we're going to go back in time to a place where you don't really remember, so this will be quite a journey for you. But it used to be a long time ago, long, long time ago, that if you wanted to talk to someone who was not in your home you had to go to a particular contraption in your house. Do any of you remember this? So particular contraption, sometimes it would be connected. It would be like bolted to a wall. It would definitely be in a public place in your house that it would be. For those of you who don't know what it is I'm talking about, I give you the old school home phone. Yes, and for people who are 50 and above, they are clapping right now. So because it brings back such great memories. So now, um, this, this particular phone that you have here, I actually, I, re, I don't know, I can't remember if we had one of this type in, in our house. We were cutting edge to where we had the push buttons, you know, but, uh, but this is the old like rotary phone, you know, where you, you have to put your finger in, it goes and if you didn't go all the way around, then you like had to like hang up and start over because you were dialing the wrong number, you know? And it was connected, it was connected by a cable into a wall somewhere in your house. I remember at my grandma, she had one of these in her living room, and it had the coily, the coily phone line. Do you all remember this? And if and if you wanted to uh, you know, kind of act like you could um you know, go into another room, what did you do? You bought a longer coily cable line that got would get all like tangled up and everything that way. Do you remember those days? And it was great. I can remember being at home and, and I would be on a call and it was like everyone else in the family could listen to everything it was that I was saying because it was in a public place. But here's the thing. We used to have it where if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to go to the phone in order to communicate with somebody. Then all of a sudden, years later, all of a sudden, the first cell phone came on the scene. And not too long after that, Steve Jobs dropped the iPhone. So the smartphone, now that all of a sudden, you could have with you wherever you went. Let's do something for a minute. All sites, all venues, if you have your phone with you right now on you somewhere, hold it up in the air for just a minute right now. Yeah, look, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, even at home right now, you can hold it up. So... Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty high percentage of people who have these. And, and the, the, the element of this, the beauty of it is you can communicate with people wherever you are. Some people are like, Matt, that's not beauty. That's a pain. So, but, uh, but the whole concept is no longer do you have to go to the phone because now that ability is with you everywhere that you go. Well, that concept is actually gonna fit into the direction that we go today with the passage of scripture there that we're going to look at. We are in week two of this new series that we're doing called Empowered for Mission. 
where we are taking a look for this fall at the book of Acts. And last week, Pastor Charles kicked us off, taking a look at kind of the background of the book of Acts, as well as chapter one. And he started off with this theme, uh, Mission Impossible, with this picture. Do you remember this? Just to catch you up, do you remember that photo? Now, here's the thing. I actually have no reason to show you that photo right now whatsoever, other than I just thought it was hilarious. And frankly, I think that should become his staff photo on our staff webpage. Anyone else agree with me right now? Can I get an amen? Absolutely. There you go, Charles. It's coming for you. So, but he talked about this whole concept of people being on mission. He says that as Christ followers, we are to be people living on mission empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what I wanna do today is I want to take a look back at when did that empowering truly begin and what's the effect that it had on the church altogether? That's where we are headed today. We are going to take a look at chapter two of the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you have your smartphone that you are looking at your Bible on, you can go ahead and pull that out. And we're going to take a look at Acts chapter two today. Now, Acts chapter two, okay, just being honest. Acts chapter two is an incredible chapter in scripture. I mean, this chapter that we're going to look at, we're actually going to look at for two weeks because there's so much going on in this particular chapter. When we unpack everything that happens in this chapter, like everything else that we're gonna see happen through the book of Acts happens as the ripple effects of what takes place in this particular moment in church history. It's just massive. So we're going to, this week, we're going to take a look at uh, pretty much verses 1 through 13, and then next week, Charles is coming back, and he's going to take us through a good chunk of the rest of this chapter of Scripture. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to go through this slowly together and, uh, and take a look at, um, at what we can learn as the church today. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay, now already from the very first verse, there should be some different questions that should be going through your mind. First off, who is the they? So, and in order to understand that, all you have to do is go back and look at chapter one. If you, if you didn't get a chance, regardless of your, if you're at home or here in the room or at any of our sites, didn't get a chance to listen to Charles's message last week, you need to go back and listen to it. And he talked about this group of people, this community of people that was gathering together. It was, you know, from what we know from scripture, somewhere around about 120 people, the disciples, some of the women, uh, different followers of Jesus, people who had placed their faith in Jesus and him alone for their salvation. They were gathering together. And they were gathering together because, well, Jesus had told them to. In fact, he had told them after he had died, risen from the grave, spent about 40 days with them all together, teaching them all kinds of different things. He had told them to stay together and wait for a gift that they were going to be given. If you look at Acts chapter one with verses four and five, it says this. Jesus said this to them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is that group of people, and they are waiting for this gift, and the day of Pentecost comes. Okay, so what's Pentecost? 
Well, Pentecost actually was um, one of the three festival days that Jewish people celebrated. It was also known as the, the festival of weeks or the festival of harvest. And this particular day fell 50 days after Passover, thus the name Pentecost. And uh, this is the part that you need to hang on to, if anything else. For this particular festival, it was required that, that everyone who was Jewish, regardless of where they lived around the world, they needed to travel back to Jerusalem. Men needed to travel back in Jerusalem to be present for this particular day. It was a requirement for all men. So that's something that you're going to want to hang on to because that will have effect on everything that we see that takes place in this particular moment. So this group of people, 120 or so, we don't know exactly how many, but that's the idea that we're given, gathered together waiting on this day of Pentecost. And <laughs> well, let's just say things start to get a little crazy. Go to verse two. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. They were where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. <laughs> okay. Holy Spirit shows up. And the Holy Spirit shows up like with flair in this moment. So now, for some of you, you have questions about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something that's amazing to dive into and to see what Scripture has to say overall about the Holy Spirit. If you're interested in taking a look more at that, a couple different things you can do. One is, just a handful of weeks ago in our last series that we just finished called Rooted, where we were taking a look at the foundations of our Christian faith, our own Lynn Beanick did a sermon on the subject of the Holy Spirit. You can just simply go back and listen to that. I think that'll be helpful. Another thing that you can do is you can check out something online called The Bible Project. Now, if you're not familiar with The Bible Project, you need to be familiar with The Bible Project. One of the pastors who used to be on staff here, Mr. Tim Mackey, actually created and co-founded The Bible Project, and uh, he moved to the Pacific Northwest, does this full-time, and uh, where he creates these different little videos that help us to understand the meaning of the different books of the Bible and different topics, such as the Holy Spirit. And they created just a short little video on the Holy Spirit. You can just simply Google search Bible Project Holy Spirit or go to YouTube, click on and just, you know, go ahead and write in Bible Project Holy Spirit and this video will come up. It'll be really helpful and beneficial to you. But the Holy Spirit shows up in this moment. And there are two different ways, two different depictions that were given in these few verses here in chapter two of the Holy Spirit, the way that he showed up. One was of wind, the other was of fire. And both of them, actually, they point back to the Old Testament. When, when we take a look at the Old Testament, the way that the Holy Spirit was talking about, the word that is used for spirit there is the word ruach. Ruach is a, a word that means spirit. It also means um, breath or, or wind. And the, the early biblical authors used to use this word to talk about the personal presence of God in situations. So, and in this particular situation that we see, well, the Holy Spirit shows up and shows up massively. It says that a violent wind, man, came throughout. The sound of a violent wind came throughout this situation. Let me ask you, 
You ever heard wind that sounded violent? It, it, it sticks with you, doesn't it? Uh, we've had a few different situations, my family and I, where we have been around storms that have happened and there is wind that comes and it sounds like a freight train. You ever had that? So we um, just picture in your mind the Holy Spirit showing up in this moment and he's showing up like a freight train. The other thing that we see is the Holy Spirit talked about as fire, these tongues of fire that came on top of everyone. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, there are a handful of different places where the glory of God shows up in the Old Testament. And when the glory of God shows up, he shows up in the form of, of fire. One, one of those places is actually um, in the dedication in the Old Testament, the dedication of the temple that Solomon built for God. And in this particular moment, we see it written about in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You see, this is the reason why people would come to the temple. It's because this is where the glory of the Lord manifested itself. And so for people to connect with God, they came to the temple because this is where God's presence was. And he showed up in the form of fire. Okay, now go from there, fast forward to Pentecost with these 120 people. And all of a sudden, these tongues of fire are showing up on the heads of all of these people after the Holy Spirit has indwelt them. He shows up as a wind and dwells these people. Now there are tongues of fire over all of them. In other words, signifying the idea that these people now were the temple. No longer did they have to go to the temple in order to be with God. Now because of their faith in Jesus, placing their faith in Jesus, now the Holy Spirit indwells them and scripture tells us that now we are the temple of God. It's like this, no longer did you have to go to the phone in order to make a call, but now it is with us all the time. Same idea here. Now, because of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we have the ability to be with God, communicate with God all the time. We are the temple of God. It was massive what was happening here in this moment for the movement of the church. Okay, so the Holy Spirit shows up. <laughs> What's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does in this moment? Well, he gives them actually the ability to speak in other tongues. Look what it says here. Go back to verse four for just a minute. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, speaking in other tongues. So for a lot of us, when we think of the idea of speaking in tongues, the way it's written about in other places of scripture, tongues is... Um, like an angelic language that human beings don't have the ability to understand. And so in a particular moment, someone will be given the ability to speak in tongues and at the same time, someone will be given the ability to interpret what it is that's being said that no one can understand. That's one idea of tongues, but that's actually not what's happening in this moment. We get a better idea of it if we look at verse five. Let's continue. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Okay, now remember, why are they there? Why are there people from all around the world? Because it's Pentecost. 
they've been required at this time to be there in this moment. There's significance to that. So when they heard the sound, the sound of the wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, get this, heard their own language being spoken. Okay. These Jewish people, so from all over the world, speaking all different kinds of language, they come together in this moment. And every one of them is hearing these followers of Jesus tell the truths of who Jesus is in their own language. Like, what was taking place here was full-on miraculous. Like, it would have been unbelievable. We don't know exactly what it looked like or what, it, what the experience was like, but we know it would have blown our minds. But in order to fully understand it, we actually have to go back in the Old Testament, all the way back to the first book of the Bible, all the way back to the book of Genesis, to Genesis chapter 11, to hear another story of something that took place back at that time. Now, write down Genesis 11. I encourage you to, to, to read it later on. But for the sake of time, I'm just simply going to tell you the story. If you ever grew up in church, you did the vacation Bible school thing, you probably know this story. What took place back at this time was the story of the Tower of Babel. You see, back at this time, for, for humanity, all of humanity, go all the way back to where all of humanity, they just spoke one language. One language for everybody. Would have been kind of fantastic. So, and, and in that time, God had told people, he had given them command to be fruitful, to increase in number, and to completely fill the earth. But the people, they didn't want to do that. And so they rebelled against God's plan and decided that they were going to stay together they were going to create a city for themselves with a tower to bring glory to who they were. A tower that was going to reach all the way to heaven. And so God sees the rebellion of the people and so he comes down to move them in the direction that he intended them to move from the beginning. And it says that he scattered them. But it's interesting to see the way that he scattered them. He didn't like pick up a group of 100 over here and move them to the north and another group and put them on this island and another group and move them west. No, 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 he didn't do that. What he did was he came down and he confused their languages. It was in this moment, different languages are created to where all of a sudden people don't have the ability to communicate with one another any longer. And what took place? See, it doesn't say this in scripture, but I think we can read into this. As soon as people couldn't communicate with one another, they banded with the people who they could, and they scattered. It's as if God knew that in a broken world, that our differences, the differences of the people would divide them and cause them to scatter. And that's what we see happen in that moment. I mean, let, let's fast forward to today. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that like in a broken world, our differences, they divide us because we like to be around people who, who live the same way, think the same way, do life the same way that we do. And so our differences ethnically, culturally, linguistically, politically, all of the age, our differences, they can divide us. And move us different directions. That's what we see taking place in this moment. And so God scatters the people just in a broken world by simply changing their languages. It caused them to divide. That's what took place at the Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel all the way back, Genesis 11. Okay, now, fast forward back to Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. 
okay? Where? At Pentecost, because people from all around the world, these Jewish people, came back together, even though they couldn't speak the same language. Holy Spirit shows up in this moment. Can you tell I'm getting a little excited in the way that this works right now? Holy Spirit shows up in that moment. And all of these people, all of a sudden, are able to communicate once again with one another. It's as if there's a, there's a reversal of what took place in the judgment of God at the Tower of Babel. Do you see the way that that happens here in this moment? But it's interesting because we have to stop for a minute and look at the Tower of Babel of actually a blessing that came from what took place at the Tower of Babel. You see, because the blessing that came from that point is God scattered people with different languages. What did that create? Well, it created different people groups different cultures, different ethnicities, all of these things that were now brought to the table. And do you notice now at Pentecost in this moment where there's this like unifying of all these people, Holy Spirit could have done whatever the Holy Spirit wanted to. The Holy Spirit didn't cause everyone to speak the same language. He didn't all of a sudden make the whole world a one-language people anymore. No, he caused people to hear the words of Jesus in their own language. Get this. Thus, unifying people while still validating and celebrating their own ethnic and cultural people group heart language differences. Do you see the way that that worked? This was massive what took place. Because in a broken world, man, our differences divide us. But the Holy Spirit's desire is to unite us. In a broken world, our differences, they divide us. The Holy Spirit's desire is to unite us into a people who, though we are different, celebrating and validating our differences, that we can be together under the name of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Somebody should be saying amen to that right now. Here's the way that it took place. Read this. Let's keep going. I'm sorry. I just get so excited about that. I just, yeah, I got to go. Acts chapter 2, verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked. Okay, this is, this is kind of funny. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Okay, this is actually kind of a little cut on the Galilean people. Galilean people were kind of known as this like down home, sort of podunk type of a crowd. They're saying in this moment, like, there's no way these Galileans know all these languages. They are not educated enough to know that type of stuff. How in the world is this happening? And then they go on to say, they mention all of these different places, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and one of, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. The reason why this is written is to show the fact of all of these people speaking different languages, united in this moment while still celebrating their differences, allowing God to speak to them in their own heart language. What was taking place was amazing. In fact, it's interesting. Some people who were doubters, if you keep reading in this, they went on to say, they said, ah, this crowd, they've just had too much wine to drink. Like they're just drunk. 
But think about that for a minute. Like what alcohol exactly is the alcohol that gives you the ability to speak another language? Because if that were out there, that would sell really, really well. You see, in this moment, they can't describe and can't explain exactly what it is that's happening. But Peter steps up in this moment and he gives a sermon. (laughs) And to say that uh, the Holy Spirit was working in that moment would be an understatement. Go to verse 41 with me at the end of this. It says that those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. You realize what just happened? That morning, they were all waiting for the Holy Spirit, gathered together about 120 people from one culture, one group. By the end of that day, the church had become, think about this, a multicultural, multiracial, multilinguistic megachurch by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing people together, allowing them to be able to communicate, though This is still validating their differences. And this movement right here would start the explosion of the message of the gospel going out to all of these different countries, these different tribes, these different people group by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. That's where it all began. That's where the church started. It's amazing, just an amazing story. You know what's interesting is if we, I know we started all the way in the book of Genesis. If we fast forward now to the book of Revelation, where the church ends after Jesus has returned. It's interesting to get a picture of what the church is supposed to look like, what it's going to look like. Revelation chapter seven, verses nine and 10 says this. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the lamb, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Okay, here's my question. If the church began in this place of being this multicultural, multilinguistic community, megachurch community of people, over 3,000 who gave their lives to Jesus, And if the church ends in this place where people from every language, tribe, nation, tongue gathered before the throne of Jesus, what do you think the church is supposed to look like in the middle as we wait from those two places? What are we supposed to look like? You know, at at Blackhawk here, uh, I feel like we have been a little slow to the draw. We're kind of slow learners sometimes in the ways that we do things. Um, but it's been incredible over the last decade to see what it is that God has done here. None of this was part of our plan, but God just seems to continue to try to teach us as we move along the way. And for some of you, you haven't ever heard this stuff before. About seven years ago, uh, here at our Brader Way location, where I'm speaking right now, we realized that, that during our services, there were a group of Chinese-speaking people who were gathered together in our prayer room to pray and worship God together. We had no idea that was, that was happening. But from that, we started to take notice. And, and we started to talk to those people, gather them together. There were life groups and Bible studies that happened from that. And from that was created BCM, Black Hawk Chinese Ministry, which is about now about 100 core Chinese-speaking people who every week have a service that happens here where Pastor Charles Huang from our, from our own staff takes, takes our notes 
of, of, of the message that any of us up front are doing and uses that to create his own message to speak it across the hall in Mandarin. If you've never popped your head in there, you need to at some point to see what happens. It is amazing. To those of you Chinese-speaking people who are joining us online right now, we are so glad that you are with us. From there, an, another ministry started, uh, a ministry we called Asian American Ministry. It was a group of second-generation Asian Americans who were desiring culture-specific space in the midst of our church as a whole. They loved being a part of Blackhawk, but wanted a place to be able to validate their own background. And from that, we've had three different life groups that have started and different gatherings of them to be able to pull together, to, to be together that way. Another thing that took place during all of this, uh, back uh, years ago, um, a senior pastor from a church called Zion City, Colleen McNair, uh, got in touch with one of our pastors on staff. You might, um, you might know him, you might remember him. His name is Chris, bearded guy, used to be, you know, talked about the Cubs a lot. So, and the two of them started a friendship. And, and from there, they, um, man, they started to realize that as our churches got to know one another, God was calling us and, and both to understand more what it meant to be multicultural space. And so two years ago, Zion City Church became a part of Blackhawk. We joined forces together, and Zion City started something called BAM, Blackhawk African American Ministry, which is an opportunity for people to be able to gather together and uh, there are life groups and book clubs and Bible studies that have happened from that. And from that, Coley and the rest of his team have started our Gospel Fusion venue. What's up, Gospel Fusion people? So glad that you are with us right now. And this is an intentional multicultural service that happens every Sunday. If you have never been over to check it out, you need to go check it out. It's incredible. Then there's another thing that's happening. This like <laughs> fledgling Spanish-speaking ministry that like it's look you guys it's so brand new we don't even have like a cool acronym for it like it's brand new and we have a life group that is around that right now and um and and with that life group they've started like monthly gatherings that are happening on a regular basis just for people to be able to to be together for those of you who are spanish speaking and watching right now bienvenidos a blackhawk estamos muy contentos de que estén con nosotros that took me about an hour to learn, by the way. So, yeah. here's the thing. Like, I don't say all of this to somehow like pat us on the back, like, woo, look at all the stuff that Blackhawk's doing, because we have backed into all of it and stumbled into all of it. And it's been messy, and we've made mistakes, and it's not perfect, but we're just simply trying to look at what's the type of church that God's calling us to be, and how do we move towards that? So here's my question. What does that look like for you? What do you pick up from a message like today? Well, one thing I think that for all of us that we can remember is if you're a Christ follower, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? We underestimate that all the time. That that same Holy Spirit who did all that crazy stuff at Pentecost is the same one who lives inside of you right now. And his desire is to transform you and me more into the image of Jesus every day. And the way that happens is by us releasing this grip that we have on our lives <laughs> and allowing him to do work inside of us. One of the things that he desires to do is in the midst of a broken world where our differences divide us is to unite us 
though we are different. And so I have a question for you. When, when you look at situations where people are different than you, how do you respond? Like when you come into contact with people who, who, who look different than you or think different than you, speak different than you, do life different from you, come from a culture that's different than yours, maybe vote different from you, how, how do you respond? Are you a person that cowers back? Or are you a person who leans in? Because God's desire, look, God's desire for our church is that we would be a community of people who are different and yet united on mission together with the message of Jesus to the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit and together worshiping the greatness of King Jesus.